I'm here because I love Kobe and this was one of his favorite songs so I want to start that over but I want us to do it all together and I want you to sing it so loud they hear your love are y'all ready Love you. Your love is bright as ever. Even in the shadows. Baby, kiss me. Before they turn the lights out. Before they turn the lights out. Your heart is glowing. Laughing into you, so baby, kiss me. Before I turn the lights out, and so you turn the lights out in the darkest night. Editorial director, we are radio.com, War Media, and this is our official Kobe Bryant special. Our official salute to the man and his legacy. Lost to us all in January, late January, along with uh, a helicopter full of people who. We all miss whose spirits and uh, you know that the gifts are all lost to us, but we remember them fondly as well. But today is two twenty fourth, uh, 
February 24, 2020. And that's a day that we'll always remember for Kobe Bryant and his dear daughter, Gigi Bryant. The numbers that they, that are most associated with those two ball players, And then uh, the essence of what they brought to the world lies in those numbers. As competitors, as promise, uh, you know, athletes and public figures who what they represent meant so much to people in the present and in a lot of ways in the future. There was a lot that we saw from Kobe already in his life. You know, that's what made the tragedy hit so hard in the immediate. But as it resonated, you know, that day when we learned everything that happened and, you know, more information came out and we learned that Kobe, now he lost his life, but he lost a child as well. And his family lost that child. And we lost that child. I think the game of basketball and our, our society lost someone who stood the chance to be very special and to build off the many amazing things that her father did already and was primed, the more amazing things he was primed to do even after his playing career. Today, they were memorialized in L.A. in the Staples Center. And so much of that was spoken to, you know, what we lost with those people. But we also, also, you know, a lot was spoken as well to what we know we can do in in the wake of that loss. The example that was set and what, uh, you know, was sort of obvious for us to do to pick ourselves up and instill in ourselves that Mamba mentality, you know, both in making our society better, making our lives better, taking care of our family, doing better to express our appreciation and our love for those in our lives, picking up, having the backs of women and picking them up and encouraging them in all aspects of life, but in particular with sports and with basketball and making making them feel welcome to dream more and further establish the platforms that women have in sports and in basketball and make them more relevant and more, uh, you know, more relevant and, and more accepted and more, just be more enthusiastic about those things that we are, you know, not put them down so much and let, you know, have appreciation for the GG Bryant's to come. And for those who are here now who inspired her and, uh, you know, it's just a, a lot of, uh, this is one of those days again, where the emotion takes over and, you know, uh, it, it, you're 
the moments just build up and get to you, just like that day itself when the tragedy happened. But it's, like I said, it's more about the uplift overall today and a celebration of life as the uh, you know the programs itself said from the from the memorial. We celebrate Kobe and Gigi and the 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 men, the seven other lives lost in the helicopter incident. And, you know, we we hold them up and we you know we try to make sure that they know and the people who they left behind know that they were loved and appreciated. It's just amazing. Like, you know, you, you have, you know, from Beyonce serenading like she did at the beginning of the, of the memorial and the beginning of this special, you know, to, uh, you know, the many people who spoke, you know, Shaq, of course, livened it up and made us laugh. You know, uh, Sabrina Ionescu, if, excuse me if I um, miss, if I, if I messed that up. But the, the amazing Oregon women's basketball player, her and, and um, Diana Taurasi speaking to that, that connection to women's basketball and to women's empowerment that both Kobe and Gigi represented. It's amazing, you know, what they had to say. And hearing from Vanessa, you know, we you know we think so much about what she's gone through in uh, the, the past month, and she stood rock solid there, you know, uh, rock solid, but also uh, letting us in to her life with Kobe and Gigi and, you know, uh, so uh, she did such an amazing job of illustrating and using in detail uh, the things that made her life with them special and the, the way that uh, Gigi loved to express herself to her and the way that Kobe did as well, being a romantic man and, you know, cynically, you could speak of past dealings that uh, things that Kobe did and, you know, think that he may, may be trying to make up for those things. But I think he did that a long time ago with her. She was truly in love with him and he was truly in love with her. And they built a life together that was, I'm sure they cherished and they, they would have enjoyed for a long time to come if they had their choice, but it was taken out from under them and they had to live with that. You know, uh, you know, she has to live with that. Her family does, but uh, they have those moments that they live together. And, you know, she, you know, just spoke on that so uh, eloquently and, you know, you really feel for her. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting though what, you know, of course, had to stick out to me the most. You know, I'd say that as a Chicagoan, as a basketball fan who was raised on Michael Jordan, was seeing Mike himself speak at the memorial. And I think so many, uh, you can see it on online and everything, uh, the trending topics on Twitter and everything. And, you know, it stood out, stood out 
for so many of us to see Mike talk in that way publicly. He does it so rarely and to be so emotional in front of us, you know, he he's only done it once prior and that was when he was retired, uh, when he was inducted, as to say, to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And he spoke to the crying Jordan meme that, uh, of course, became synonymous with him in, in that at that time, and you know, it's there's another crying Jordan meme, I guess, to come now from today. But uh, the context is so much different, and I think, you know, I think we probably should retire that old usage of the crying Jordan meme now. You know, it's not about losing or you know being embarrassed in some way. It's about being emotional and professing. Uh, you know, true emotions that you have for being for someone special in your life. And uh, knowing just how close Mike and Kobe were, you know, it wasn't just a thing that sort of irritated people like me once upon a time when we felt that there could only be one Jordan and Kobe had no right to try to be the second one. But I think everything that he did back then was out of respect and, and tribute to a man that he really uh, admired. And just because he had the ability to come close to it, to actually reaching the heights that Mike did, that should be something that we should honor. You know, some shouldn't be something that, you know, should just be envious about, <laughs> though I am envious, you know. You know, I couldn't be like Mike, and so many other people I know couldn't be like Mike, but Kobe actually did in some ways. And that's part of what made him an amazing individual and uh, just an amazing person that we lost and one of the great athletes of our time, of any time, Kobe Bryant. We'll go over more what Make Kobe special to us, me and my partners, Scoop B, uh, Josh Hicks, Joshua M. Hicks. Full conversations with them coming up. I recorded these not long after the incident. Nah, I've had every plan to put them out sooner, but you know I couldn't let two twenty four go by without putting these out for officially. And, um, you know, just want, like I say, just want it to be established that, uh, you know, Kobe is one of the greatest of all time. And this is one of the greatest hurts of all time, but his influence will also be just as great. And I think if you cared at all about the game of basketball, or about Kobe himself, or Kobe as a basketball player. You know, just do your best to live up to what the standard and the uh, the attitude and that he brought to him to what he did on the court, brought to the court, brought to you know that that platform that is 
it's its own thing in retrospect. It's not as important as some of the other things that we that we deal with in life. But uh, it was a place for him to start, and it was a place where he molded some. He molded himself into something that allowed for even greater importance off of the court. And whatever platforms we give ourselves, you know, the way that we express ourselves, the way that we want to hustle, the way that we want to make ourselves seem more important than what we are brought into this earth being. And eventually we got to tie back, tie everything back to what is essential and what is natural to us as we, from, as we come into this earth. We are beings born from a, a greater creation, a greater creative spirit. And the more that we can tap into that spirit of love, of of create of creativity, of of uh, caring. You know, that's the way that we fulfill ourselves, I think, as human beings. And we all can make the impact that Kobe did, or even that Gigi did in her short time. But if we just try our best to fulfill the impact that we can make, then makes us a little more mamba than we deserve to be. So uh, that's all I got to say now. But uh, yeah, take a listen. Me and uh, Brandon Robinson, School B, we talk about Kobe here. And uh, later on, I have a little quick thought from uh, the Mind Spruill, Dean Davis show. Gives us thoughts on uh, should Kobe be the uh, the logo of the league. I'll come back after that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's. Uh, this is our salute to Kobe in remembrance of him. We are RegalRadio.com, War Media. Thanks for listening, y'all. Okay. All right, what's happening, everybody? This is your man, Kyle Means, Editorial Director of WeAreRegalRadio.com, War Media. Uh, we just uh, coming at you uh, with a special here, uh, Kobe Bryant uh, Memorial you know, salute to the Mamba and everything. Uh, just got some good got some good people together who I know can reflect on his legacy and what made him great and what made what makes everybody what's what's basically what's made the world stop in the last couple of days and made this such a significant event, losing him and losing his daughter Gianna and all those uh, those other seven people uh uh, who, amazing people who we lost 
in that helicopter incident over Calabasas, California. Uh, it's been a rough time, I would say, you know, probably the roughest thing that's ever been connected to sports. And, you know, my almost 30 years of following sports, you know, just living a life that's been devoted and, you know, so much connection to sports throughout that time, throughout my life, you know, I can't, you know, recollect having a feeling like this. It's not like losing a game or losing a championship or anything. It's, it's just real life. And there's so much connected to our lives and our existence that I think this story is fleshed out uh, in society. You know, it's, it's been, it's really been meaningful and it's been okay to hurt and it's been okay to, uh, you know, let that emotion go. And uh, I've, I've been glad to see how so many people have been unified in that, in that way. And, uh, you know, we gotta, you know, we gonna move on eventually, but, you know, today, as I, as we speak, uh, this is Tuesday, just a couple of days after the incident, the, uh, you know, we know that the Lakers aren't playing yet. They can't, they postponed the game with the big LA game with, uh, the Clippers that they were scheduled to have. And, you know, it, it shows you how much the Lakers are going through it and how much LA is going through it, that they really weren't even thinking of having that type of game today. So, you know, peace out to everybody out there in LA and everybody who loves, we know who loves Kobe, you know, all the, the, the true Kobe fans, the true Laker fans, you know, our hearts go out with y'all as as well as, uh, you know, Vanessa Bryan and the Bryan family and the families of everybody on, on the helicopter. So, uh, but, um, you know, as far as, you know, people who I wanted to speak to, about Kobe, I definitely had to speak to my main man, Scoop B, and I got him on the line now. And Scoop is a guy who, you know, through his years of fanaticism and, and journalism as a as a keeper of the of the torch of the game and the spirit of the basketball, you know, I, I know he's felt it. I've seen, you know, I've seen you talk about it a lot online, man. And I was just thinking, like, you're you're a guy who spoke not only to Kobe in your life, but you spoken to his father too. So I know this is a significant moment for you, man. And just starting off, man, you know, just start off with that, man. What is, what has it been like for you in the past couple of days? What have the feelings been like and what are the emotions been like for you? You know, it hurts, man. It hurts because um, I relate to Kobe a lot. Um, Kobe is somebody who had high goals for himself, set expectations for himself, and um, led by example, and was an overachiever, if you will. And um, many didn't always get him. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, um, it's almost like you went from Saturday Kobe was living to Sunday Kobe was living, is living no more. And, for me, as a as a as both a journalist and as a fan of the game, it, it's weird. Um, it's weird because I was at uh, LeBron's game uh, in Philadelphia on Saturday when he broke Kobe's scoring record, uh, on third all time uh, NBA scoring. And then Sunday, I got a call from somebody in Los Angeles uh, minutes after uh, the the helicopter crash, and it, it, it's surreal. Like you didn't want to believe it because. Superheroes don't die. Uh, and then 
you know, catching up with people, calling people, uh, fraternity of brothers, journalists, and just people who are in the know, we all just kept talking about just the, the person or the perfectionist that he was. And um, in recent years, you really began to see the father that he was. It wasn't just Kobe dying, it was his daughter dying. Um, and there's other people on, on that on that aircraft, that, that, that helicopter that died. And um, it, it's just interesting. Um, life is not promised to anyone. And if, if you could take anything away from this, it's that um, you have to live every day to the fullest. You have to find your passion. You have to find your purpose and you have to stick with it. Um, and, and just doing some interviews, I have a piece that will, will drop Friday uh, over at Heavy.com. Uh, one of the things that I've just been finding and just talking to various people is, you know, Kobe didn't just offer advice to players. There were coaches who reached out to Kobe. Um, and, 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 and really just some, um, he was a master of his craft. He was a mentor. And I think if anything, this really makes you realize my, look, Kobe was a lot closer to the greatness uh, of Michael that we give him credit for. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good piece. Uh, shout out to the bigs that, uh, a good piece that, uh, they put out today through the website, the tribe, uh, here in Chicago that reflected on that Kobe being the closest thing to Mike and, you know, us being Chicagoans, that's, that's sort of a touchy thing because, you know, I, I'll go, I'll go into a little bit right now, just with my, my personal feelings on Kobe. Like I, Kobe is like, but I didn't get to see Mike from wire to wire because, you know, I'm not old enough. I was born in 84, the year he was drafted. I, was, I wasn't really a conscious basketball fan till that first championship year when I turned seven in 91. So I got to enjoy that whole reign with, with Mike and the ups and downs, him retiring and coming back and everything and, you know, there's no one. No, there'll never be anyone like Mike to me. So when Kobe first came out in '97, you know, with '96 to draft, of course, but by '97 he's starting to be a bit of a phenomenon. You know, people, you know, people seeing flashes of him. By '98, you got that All Star game in New York, and he's by then he's full on like, "Oh, I'm coming for you, Mike." And he came for him in that game, and they I think they shared MVP in that game, right? Am I, am I correct? And, um, you know, I was like, man, forget Kobe, man. <laughs> you ain't never Mike, man. And, you know, yeah. you ain't never going to be Mike. But and so throughout the next 10 years or so, I was sort of like, you know, forget this dude. But by, by the time he gets to that second, that repeat, that he has with the later guy with the later talent, uh Paul Gasol and everybody, Artest and and uh, you know, everybody, you know, he, he's he he's really putting the scare to you by then, because he's at four and five championships and people are like, okay, well, is, is he gonna get to six? He he got he he, he gonna get to six. Though the you know the Kobe, you know how the Kobe fan, the Kobe stands are established then. And the Lakers fans are like, oh, we're gonna get another three piece. So I'm like, oh man, that's the last, that's the last thing I want to see. But, you know, eventually he doesn't do it. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to get away from that petty stuff as far as, you know, him matching up to your ultimate hero. But 
I say all that to say that I saw I, I was able to see Kobe from wire to wire from beginning to end, and he that made that makes him a significant part of my basketball life and my my For life sure. as a fan. And For sure, is nothing and, and you can't you can't help but appreciate the brilliance and the t- tenacity and the devotion that he had to the game. He really did set an amazing example that only a few people can ever say they said in the game. But I'll get back to you. So what you got to say? No, I, I think you're, you're pretty spot on. And I'll add that uh, it's one thing to see the tenacity that he had on the court. I personally think um, because he was an overachiever, he and Shaq didn't always see eye to eye. Yeah. But I feel as though when his legal case happened, yeah, he needed some extra fuel and he rebranded himself into somebody else and he used all the criticism as motivation to take that level of competitiveness to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think if you really sit and you think about it, you wonder, okay, 2004, when they went to the final against Detroit, had that court case not happened. Um, and also Detroit just being a better team. Right. I, I think people don't give Tayshawn Prince his just due defensively and how he covered Kobe. It was always Kobe was struggling. You know, Tayshawn Prince was being him well. Oh, yeah. And I, what'd you say? I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, Pr- Prince was – he was amazing defender at that point in time, yeah. And I also look at, you know, 2008. It was the Celtics' time. Uh, Alan Pierce, Garnett, Rondo, and, uh, you know, Doc Rivers is the head coach. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and I look at that situation with Kobe. I think, you know, early in, the, in, in his career, they were trying to replicate the next Michael um, with the clean boy image. You know, they tried it with Howard Biner. Grant Hill was often hurt. Um, Penny Hardaway was hurt. Uh, Kobe looked like the perfect specimen, but he had an edge to him. And, you know, I, I think that that legal case with him, you know, altered a lot of people's perception and opinion, but it didn't matter because he won all the time. And he almost took a page out of Tom Brady's book. And, you know, I, I look at Kobe and I I think, I wonder, you know, many people say he's the next thing closest to Jordan. Grant Hill has said that to me recently. Um, he feels like it's the closest thing he'll ever see uh, to Jordan. Um, I think that um, I'll add that all of the accolades that you mentioned, um, having gone to school at Eastern University, um, where I went to undergrad, right outside of West Philly, um, yeah. I, I kind of got to know Kobe through the community. Um, you know, Lower Marion is a township high school, so you have people from Ardmore, Narborough. Um, and other, you know, nearby towns who won't go to that school. And, you know, I, I got to know a guy named Will Carter who, um, you know, would oftentimes play basketball at, at my school, Eastern, you know, as and he was like a liaison between the public schools and my college. And, you know, whenever the 70s or whenever the Lakers would be in Philadelphia, um, they would always organize some sort of um, – event where Kobe was stopped by Lower Marion and I got to know Kobe through Will um, and then a buddy of mine who worked in the mailroom at, at Eastern, his name was Greg Turner or is Greg Turner um, Greg used to hook me up when I would miss the mailroom at 501, he would still look me out if I had a package 
he's coming with the high school Kobe all the time. It was this light skinned dude with red hair that looked like Delante West. His name was Greg Turner. I used to call him Delante. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, he would tell me about Kobe. And, you know, so during my time at, at CBS in 2015 and 2016, that was Kobe's last season, I began to start interviewing people about just Kobe and, and, and almost like the farewell piece. Um, you know, I, I wrote about just his experiences in high school. And Greg told me that if school started at 7.30, Kobe would be in the gym at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning just shooting. Oh, yeah. And this was at 15, 16, 17. Uh, I, I'm still fleshing out and doing interviews for a piece I'm going to write on Friday, but someone told me the other night that, you know, Kobe was playing in Italy with, with other folks, and he was about 10 years old. I tweeted it the other day, and somebody need Kobe. It was like a needed e contest. And when he fell on the ground, they said, Kobe, are you all right? He goes, no, my NBA career is over. He was just destined and, and determined to make it to the league. Mm. It's admirable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was gonna get into it a little bit with you about the the Philly stuff and your connection. I know at, at a certain time that was more of a contentious thing, you know, because he he had some comments about sticking it to Philly in, in certain ways, and you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I, and Philly of course had Iverson during a lot of his career, so they were able to position themselves against him in. And you know, and then in your one finals, they were able to position themselves literally against Kobe and and the Lakers, and you know that didn't work out. So I'm sure there was some heat from that too. But I'm I just wanted to get your uh, if you if you got any thoughts or feelings on the relationship as it is now. I'm guessing that it that they probably are proud to have him be a you know a Philly native now, a Philly area native now, and. And, you know, what 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 are the feelings like? Have you gotten any any sense of the feelings from Philly in the wake of the of the incident? Yeah, one of, one of my buddies is uh one of my buddies who lived across the hall from me when I was at Eastern actually uh, graduated from Lower Marion, and um, he he commented on the he, he texted me the day my buddy Moose he texted me the day um on Sunday he said you all right man I said I should be asking you the same thing. And uh, I posted something about Lauren Marion on my Instagram, and he goes, he commented, and he goes, man, no matter where I go outside of this area, when people ask me where I go to high school, I always tell them, Kobe Bryant graduated from my high school. Mm. And he wears that like a badge of honor. You know, Lauren Marion is, 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 is it produces a lot of uh, competitive basketball. And until I got into the Philadelphia area, I, I didn't really realize the impact of that, 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 that program and once I you know Philly is one of my homes I I understand it a lot more and and gained a greater respect for Philly listen I was I was in Philadelphia on Saturday and um, you know as much as people would help for LeBron to to break Kobe's record uh, there's a lot of love uh, that that folks ended up having for Kobe just because he's from the area Um, a a former professor of mine at Eastern uh, hit me the other day he said there was a point where he lived in Ardmore. Ardmore is one of those incorporated towns in, in the Lower Marion area. And he said um, somebody, when Kobe was in high school, was calling random phone numbers and would call everybody's house, hoping 
that the person who would answer the phone would be Kobe. Um, everybody wanted a piece of this kid in high school. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a tragedy. Um, you, you wouldn't expect it would be him. You would expect it would be other people. Um, former NBA player Tim Thomas is, 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 is my dude. And, you know, he and I have been on and off the phone the last couple of days. And one of the things he said to me was, um, what people forget is Kobe died January 26th. Tim, Vince Carter, and Kobe Bryant were all AAU teammates. Kobe died on Vince Carter's birthday. Mm. So it, it's a lot. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at just the landscape of basketball, you've never seen anybody who, you know, the major heavy hitters, you know, like the, like the Bill Russells, the, the Michaels, the Shaqs, the Isaiahs, the Charles Barkley, the Magics, they're all alive. The only person who's not dead is, or the only person who's dead is Will Chamberlain. Yeah. And he was old. You know, I, I mean that in the most respectful way. But yeah. Kobe was 41, and I don't think it's just because he died, it's the way he died, and his daughter died with him. Yeah. It's, that's, that's it's, it's so much to take, man, and and I, let's get I was gonna let's get into that a little bit. Like the as far as the legacy goes, like Kobe set so much of his legacy already, but like you say, him only being forty one, and I think I think we all we, we all was you know we've been ruminating in it through the media and everything over the past couple of days, like. The idea is that there was so much more for him to do, and it was expected that he was going to do it. Like when you look at the way that he was establishing these Mamba academies and the the proactive way that he was putting himself in in Gianna's, uh, you know, it, sort of guiding her specifically, but also being a a proponent of women's basketball, and you know, it, it there was just so much that. Is, that was looked like it was going to be uh, coming ahead for for him and his family. Like, you know, people was like, "Oh, Gianna's going to play for UConn, and she's going to be in the WNBA." And you know, I, I, there was so much that was be foreseen. And I think as a basketball elder, I could see, I I could picture Kobe being like Bill Russell and, and Kareem. And the fact that those guys are still around and they're sending him off is there's a cruel. You know, sort of poeticism about that man, and you know, I think I, it, it makes me think that you know we, all, we already do. I know you do, and I do, but I think we all should uh, value those elders who are still around, those are in our lives, and those who inspired us through stuff like basketball. But you know, it, it's it's amazing that those guys are still around, and Kobe isn't, and he won't get to play that role, which I think he would have played very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. When you look at, you know, like, I I know uh, a couple summers ago, um, Kyrie Irving flew out to Seattle um, during Jamal Crawford's program, and Bill Russell showed up. Seattle is Jamal's hood. Kyrie came. Jamal didn't know if Kyrie was going to actually come. He came. Bill Russell showed up. And Jamal talked about that moment on Don't At Me uh, with my uncle Roz Golden Wude recently. And, you know, he, he talked about, you know, just the synergy that was there. Um, and it's funny because 
someone in, in, in Tyree's circle the other day, and, and we talked about the sneaker influence and how, you know, in 2013, one thing that Tyree always wanted was to have the sneaker, the, 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 the signature sneaker. Like, Tyree had his, his, his one of his first basketball camps in 2013, and you saw all these kids walking around with, like, KD sneakers on and LeBron sneakers and more, right? And Kobe sneakers. He's like, I want that. And then, you know, like, it was in the works that he was going to get his sneaker. Ironically, it was in 2014, the next season when, you know, LeBron James left the Heat and joined, rejoined the Cavaliers, the team that drafted him. And the thing about, what, like, with Kyrie is, Kobe was, was a, is not just a mentor, but somebody he looked up to who grew up similar to him. But Kyrie understood that once you had those sneakers, you have the ears and the eyes of the kids. Mm. Kobe had that. Kobe had it because Michael had it. LeBron had it for the same reason. If it wasn't for Michael and, and him changing the game with sneakers, allowing these guys to be wearing Kyle Burst weapons like magic. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just, Kobe was the living legend and in some respects maybe had that OG credibility at a younger age faster and in his retirement with these younger players than Bill Russell did. Like, you know who Bill Russell is. But at the same time, like, Kobe was Kobe. You know, like, what I find interesting, particularly with these guys that are drafted in 96 and 95, like, you know, you look at Kevin Garnett, you look at you look at Iverson, like, even somebody like Kenny Martin, like, they're like young OGs, but they, they, they got their credibility faster. I'm not sure if it's because of the benefit of, of the, the golden age of, of, of hoops, um, just social media at large. Like, we know who Bill Russell is. We know who Magic is. But these kids see Kobe. He's the gold staff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, you know, that that I think that's a good dividing line, I think, between generations like, or, or you know, that like that 96 class in particular, Maybe you could take a couple guys who came in the night in the in the in the media years after, but that that group of people, you know, the '96 class in particular, being how special a class it was, they were the la- they were the first guys who were inspired, particularly by both by hip hop and by those OGs. They were old enough to to take their cues from all the OGs going back to Russell, but particularly like Mike and, and Magic and Barkley and them, the 80s guys who came right before them. But they, they took their cues from them, but they also fl- freaked it a bit with their with their own individuality that, that they got from being under hip-hop as well and all that stuff. You know, you, you look at how different AI is, but he respected Jordan. And, you know, you look at how, you know, Kobe was, his love for Jordan and every, and all them, but he still had his own thing too. And so I think the fact that, like you say, that they have that legitimacy with the youth, that I think that comes from the youth being rose, being raised up under them directly. Those are the guys they saw when they came into the game and they and they began loving the game. For sure. And I'll add that, you know, when you talk about like Alan Iverson, like um, you know, he, he was at the um he was at the, the, the LeBron's uh, game on Saturday at the Lakers visiting the 76ers to, yes. to get the win. Um, but, you know, LeBron broke the record. You know, Philly loves Allen Iverson. Um, and, I, and I've said this to, um, I, 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 I've also 
there, but you know, having some time in Philly and then spending time in Chicago with you guys, I see an interesting parallel between the love that Allen is and the love that Chicago that they're going to. The only difference is Allen Iverson is from Newport News, Virginia, and played for the Sixers and their Roses from the South Side and played for the hometown Chicago Bulls. And right. he was very much protected in Chicago. Um, the only comparison I can find is Mark Jackson and Washington complaint for the Knicks. It's not a direct correlation just because of the level of star power that their Rose has. Um, and I mean that respect from the both parties. Um, but I, I think you're right about the, the, the Jordan Coulson. And the only thing in hip-hop I can kind of compare it to Outside of Jay, it's kind of Jaded Kiss in New York with the Jim Jones effect in New York. It's just a love. And, and even Nipsey Hussle that he got, um, you know, being where he's from and the co-signs that he got from various people was both a gift and a curse. Um, Kobe also was different because he wasn't a city kid. In fact, he set the blueprint for guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who are second-generation ball players. Oh, the yeah. significant difference between Kobe and those guys is Kobe had international experience. And um, I spoke to someone yesterday who basically said to me, um, he, he works in NBA basketball. He is um, he's from Italy, works for an NBA team, and remembers Kobe when he was a kid and his dad played overseas. And he said something to me that kind of blew my mind. When we think about Kobe, we think about, you know, Low Marion, we think of Philly, we think of Philly suburbs. Uh, some people think he's silver spoon is about success or he's able to travel the world. Uh, but what, what's interesting is that what, what that person said to me was, and it would be in my article this job Saturday, is Kobe gave Danilo Gallinari and Marco Bellinelli the hope to play in the NBA, being from Italy. That blew my mind. Mm. That is. In Philly, you think, you think, in Philly suburbs, you think you think um you, you think some of those guys who uh, that are from the Philly area, um, who I can't think of right now, but you think of you think of those guys and the people who influence. You don't think of Marco Bellinelli and Danilo Gallinari. That blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and and they and that goes down to the current players, like well, well, even more current players like Luca. You know that I've I've seen over the past twenty four hours. You know people talk about Luca. I think Luca said he said he's more of a of a LeBron guy, but he's also had a lot of reverence for Kobe too. And I, uh, there has been they've been talking about the picture that he took with Gianna when uh, he visit and the interaction he had with Kobe when he visited uh, L A. Uh, like uh, at the end of December. That was a significant thing right, for him. Right, 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 and. What I find interesting is when you talk about international play, I was hearing stories about just Kobe's, like, I heard stories about Michael Jordan and how he was in practice. You've seen, you've seen, you know, documentaries where they talk about how he and Steve Kerr had this fight and had it out, right? Yeah. Um, Horace Grant once told me that Michael Jordan was the devil in practice. (laughs) Um, and, And then to hear stories of how Kobe made Pau Gasol and Sasha Vujicic better uh, and how hard he was on them. And certain and certain guys like um, Kwame Brown and Dwight Howard weren't necessarily receptive to that. Sure. Um, and the way it was told to me was Kobe Brown is the reason why 
Pau Gasol and Sasha Vujicic had the elasticity that they had in their career. I believe that wholeheartedly. That makes sense, definitely. He had to have a big, it's a big, uh, you know, uh, influence on those guys, definitely, and and sure, probably made them into, you know, you know, Gasol was an All Star level player, but you know, did you really think of him as a championship level player until he got to the Lakers? Not really. So yeah, right. definitely, I could definitely see that, yeah. and and then I saw a little video again uh in the in the last day or so about him like he uh god what it might have been voyage chick I, I can't i can't think of it exactly that but he was he was he was mixing up with a with a he was in practice so he's with another like he's mixing it up with him sort of in the post and he gave he gave the guy a little elbow and the, and the, and the other guy pushed him back like and, and kobe looked off to someone in the on the court and winked at him you know he's like like you know, he knew how to play his guys, and, and he definitely very much in that Jordan mode. There's another way, like you said, that he was influenced by Mike. Like he knew that he had to, he had to rip, he had to rip his guys a new one sometimes to make them into the guys that he needed them to be when the crunch time came. And and we and, and I gotta say this too, because I, I know you posted it on uh, or reposted it on Twitter that video from late in his career when he was on Jimmy Kimmel. And and the uh-huh. and they and Kimmel showed in the video of the guys celebrating Nick Young and all them. I think Boozer was in it too, and like when he was injured and they was they had they was really sucking without him and they won a game and they was acting a fool and Kobe had that look like boy you like, like he just was like he was gonna kill him next time he saw him. I, that was the that was what I really that was the I, I felt Kobe before then but that was like the most I've ever probably felt Kobe. I was like. Man, I just I just wish I could have seen what he did when he did see those guys uh, the next time. <laughs> For sure. For sure. But he, he was so exacting. He was such a, a force of as a as a player. And and uh you know it was almost to, to had a creative bent to it. And like, you know, he he would cite, you know, creative forces in his life, you know, from Jay-Z to Mozart. In, in, in different ways during his life, like during interviews and stuff like that. And he had the uh, sort of later in his career, the, the the muse, the Kobe's muse thing. And, you know, it, and it's interesting that he winds up being the only NBA player to have an Oscar to his name, <laughs> you know, with Dear Basketball and the Dear Basketball uh, short film that comes out. Mm-hmm. And, and to have that as a part of his legacy too is amazing. That's like, he was just again. It goes into the promise that he had. I think as a creative figure too, he had. I think he had. A, he had a chance to influence so much more than he already did. You know, beyond the forty-one years that he was given. But, but in the forty-one years he was given, he utilized it to the, to an extreme level, and and it, 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 that's part of what I think makes makes his death so. Uh, relevant for everybody and it, and it resonates so much as a loss yes sir yeah. I'm with you. but uh i'm gonna give you a couple uh, just a couple more things with kobe man like, like i said at the beginning you're you're a, a journalist who was able to speak not only to him but to his father jelly bean brian and uh i just want to get your thoughts on your interactions with him through the years and 
What's what's what was maybe the most interesting thing that you learned about Kobe through talking to his pops? Um, so I've known Jelly since 2014. Um, basically, we connected at a basketball exposure program in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I've never said this publicly, but I'll tell you, we kind of connected by accident. So. We were both booked to work at the Basketball Exposure Program. And he was supposed to be there. We were, all of us were on the flyer. I get there. I'll just say that the person who ran the program faked a heart attack, took people's money. Oh, wow. And basically ran away and booked our hotel rooms on a credit card that was declined. Oh, wow. And so when we got there, we had the option to just stay in our hotel rooms and really not do that for four days. I mean, the hotels weren't paid for. The center that we were all supposed to work out or the players were supposed to work out at um, wasn't paid for. The food wasn't paid for. And as fate would have it, my room was right across the hall, literally directly across the hall from, from Joe Jelly B. Black. So it's like, I'm mad because it's like, yo, what's going on? There were people who drove from Houston to Dallas, New Orleans from Dallas, San Antonio from Dallas. It was people who flew from Germany, people who flew from North New Jersey, Peoria, Illinois. It's like, all right, so what do we do? Guess what? They still played. We still had a job to do. We still broadcasted. We did everything we needed to do, right? Hmm. But in between sessions, me and Jelly, I would be in his hotel room, and we would be talking about basketball. We would be talking about his days. We'd be talking about Kobe. And the reason why we connected so well is because he was kind of like my parents. Like, they were raising a young kid who had an interest in a career, but were very young. You know, I started my career at 12. So, right. kind of like, all right, so what was he like here? What was he like there? And I, I'll give you the edited version of the story. I, I want to protect the integrity of the story. But what I will say to you is, uh, what I found interesting was, Kobe and his father had the distinct uh, coincidence of both being coached by Dell Harris. Okay. Um, Joe, when, Joe when he was in Houston with the Rockets, and Kobe when he was in L.A. with the Lakers. Um, Dell did not play young people. He played veterans. Um, kind of like Larry Brown. Um, did yeah. With, uh, throughout his career. And yeah. I'll tell you that Del Harris, as it was told to me, told Jelly, this is the end version, man, I'll tell you one thing, you and your son are so much alike because you're all hard-headed. <laughs> and Joe looked at me and said, wait, I'm not supposed to tell you that you were journalists and we both laughed. Uh, but it was a, it was, it was, it, but it, the, the thing about it was, Joe didn't put me at length just because of what I did. Joe showed me love because Joe knew that I was really interested. And the thing that not only the fact that I was young getting the start, it was the ties to the Philadelphia Mainline. Philadelphia Mainline consists of, you know, the, the West Philly suburbs. So you know, Villanova University is on the Mainline. Lower Mary is on the Mainline, and you know, he, he's from North Philly. Went to LaSalle. Uh, we had Bill Raftery in common. 
from my Nets days. He was the color commentator for the Nets. So we just knew a lot of the same people. And, uh, you know, even after that, 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 that exposure camp ended, you know, Jelly Day still caught up. And, you know, when I got Brown in school, he knew about it at, at CBS. And he called me. He asked to be on the show right after Kobe announced that he was going to retire at season's end. And uh, he didn't do many interviews. And the fact that he, he, you know, he took the time to reach out to me, that was an honor. Wow. A piece to, piece to Jelly Bean, Brian, and uh, Kobe, and his mother as well, and, and like I said, the whole family, man. Uh, just uh, such a tragedy. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to know that, you know, I don't know. It's it's great to know how much that that relationship meant. You know, I think it's 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 definitely a, uh, a another part of the example that was set. You know, that you had a a a player and a a proud black man like that, and produced another player and proud black man in uh, Kobe. Uh, you know, we just put out a piece today on We Are Regal Radio, and um, uh, you know, I, I got Josh Hicks speaks to spoke to the fact that you know in thanking Kobe you know the example that he set as a man and a black man as well as a player so you now I advise y'all to read that if you haven't already but um uh, you know before we just you know you're gonna move on a little bit from Kobe I got you know if you just coming in I got Scooby my man my main man uh you know we are Riga radio alumni and just one of the one of the best sports uh, basketball reporters there is, you know, that going right now. And uh, you know, heavy.com is his home, uh, where you can mostly get his reporting and stuff. And he he uh you know, he said earlier he's got a piece coming out this Friday on uh Kobe Bryant. Um and uh you should be able to read that as you listen to this. But um before we move on from Kobe though, just you know, I know like I said with the all-star game is coming up here in Chicago in a couple of weeks and you know we we going to hang out then I'll be glad to see you I I know that change that's going to change a lot though the tenor of that whole weekend is probably going to change a lot given that it's still so close to Kobe uh, to us losing Kobe uh is I don't know but is there anything that you've heard to to that degree about that or any plans or anything that that may be made or or expect, I know that the the uh, uh, the Hall of Fame has already announced that, you know, uh, you know, expectedly that Kobe is in this year, and that you know that he's that he's going to be honored uh, posthumously in Springfield uh, at that ceremony. Uh, is there anything else you've been hearing along those lines about future salutes or anything to Kobe? No, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, more things that I'm hearing is just conversation from players and peers and. Um, you know, things of that sort. I, I haven't really. I think it's it's it's. You hear a lot, you discuss a lot, but the level of um, what's going to happen. I think things are still being decided. It's only been two, three, four, five days, and you know, people are still digesting that. So yeah, um, nothing yet, but I'm sure uh, the All Star Weekend in Chicago will definitely be somber. It'll be different. Um, because it kind of was untimely and it came out of nowhere. And, you know, I, I think this is just a, a, a lesson, you know, hold those tight to you as long as you can and, you know, live every day like it's your last. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, uh, I appreciate 
appreciate you, man, and everything that you that you've done and your you being a friend and you know, uh, you know, we got hopefully we got a lot of years ahead of us. So it we definitely gonna cherish them and and cherish uh sure. all the good times to come and try to live life with a little more mamba in us just you know because uh he, we we have that there's no excuse not to we got that example uh that kobe set for us so uh i said what's what for like i said for move on officially just what what's probably the one thing though that's that's you that think What's the one thing that you probably always associate with Kobe? Is it the Mamba mentality? Is it a particular play or a particular stat or anything? I mean, what's that one thing that you that you think is going to jump out for with you with Kobe as you go forward? Um, honestly, I think it's the collection of just all the things that I've shared with you. I, I know it's easy to say, you know, that 60-point game. I think Rucker Park is definitely notable. Uh, and coming to Rucker Park and playing at, 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 at Rucker and, and pressing, you know, Harlem with his skills. Sure. Um, at a time when a lot of players, some came and, you know, but he followed the mold of Dr. J, who, you know, was a, was a Holcomb Rucker legend. Um, I've heard endless stories of, of Dr. J, a guy from Long Island coming to New York City and those those city guys not respecting him. And uh, he earned the respect of Rutgers. So for Kobe to do that, uh, I think it's a credit to um, his level of, of just knowing the moment. Uh, some of my other favorite Kobe moments uh, was probably uh, some of those Adidas commercials and even the Sprite commercials. Like when he was in that commercial with, with uh, Bissy Elliott and, and, and Tim Duncan, Kobe, Bryant, Clamson, Giant, like that. Um, and when he did that Adidas commercial where he bounced the ball behind his back and the ball went under his legs and came back on the front, uh, I remember his duels with Allen Iverson in the 2001 NBA Finals. Just, you know, all that stuff. I remember him going toe to toe with the Nets, uh, with Shaq. Um, I, I just, you know, like, like I, I'm still processing it. The 60 point game is, is what I said on TV the other day as far as. Moment, but I think that was valuable for me because I literally had the chance to chronicle Kobe's last season in the NBA as well as Tim Duncan's. Um, but um, I, I think for me, um, I, I just had an appreciation for his full body of work. And uh, I, I, I like when people are remorseful because it's the popular thing to do. Um, I, I was truly a fan. And I know there are certain people who, you know, are, are remorseful because it's the flavor of the month to do. Um, don't, 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 don't dog that man now because he's gone because you should have did it to his face then. Nobody was perfect. Um, and as a basketball player, I had the utmost respect for him. So I, I salute him. No doubt. No doubt. And, and you, and you brought it up a little bit earlier too. I think you, it's irresponsible to, you know, to uh, erase or negate what happened in Colorado with him, I think it, it is a part of his story. And but it, you know, and there's a way you can respectfully bring it up as of now going forward. But I think for those who were who just couldn't help themselves in doing so, right after the news broke, and you know, in the 24 hours after that, I think you know you you got to get a life, man, and and get you know you know. F- try to figure out deeper meaning than 
than your than these things that you try to, you know, the, the, than just you know getting after celebrities and doing the and get, doing these things. We know, you know, it is important that you know victims be of sexual abuse be heard and everything like that. But you know, this event was much bigger than that, and you know, I, I hope you know those people, you know, just really get what they, you know, just figure out something different about the way that they try to advocate that stuff. Cause they didn't help, they didn't help those causes at all by trying to shame people who Kobe or shame Kobe or people who were defending Kobe in that moment. You know, it, it just didn't make sense to bring that stuff up then. But like I said, that it, that is a part of his story and it's a, it was a regretful thing that he did. And I think he lived a lot of his life afterwards to make up for that. You know, he he made peace with his family and he, you know, created a, a beautiful family that we know was torn apart by the incident, by the incident and the crash. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing. That's what you should put first above anything in, in the wake of this is that, you know, the, these people lost their lives and they have, no other chapters more to write of their lives. And, you know, to throw that stuff back up, I think it's pretty disgusting. But, you know, that's just... Kind of corny if you... Yeah, it's corny, it's corny and it's disgusting, you know. So, you know, you know, do better, I think I was saying. There's this one comedian I saw too, man. I I, I saw a so-called comedian who... He was standing out in front of... Uh, I ain't even going to say his name. I know his name. I ain't going to say it, but... He did Charlotte. The, yeah, you saw it in Charlotte, like... It like that's that dude is really foul, man. You need to get a fucking life, man. It really, <laughs> you know. But uh, that's the last I'm gonna say about that. But let's. I I got about 15 more minutes, man. I want to do with you. Uh, let's just talk about some some regular hoop stuff, man. Like you said, uh, we gonna kick it in a couple weeks here in the city uh, with All Star, and um, you know, I guess to start off with just looking at the league overall now, like the Lakers are looking good right now. And, and, you know, they're not playing tonight. Of course, they, the earliest they're going to play is Friday, you know, looking at it from a wider perspective of this tragedy, do you think that they're going to be like an emotional or, or sort of a, a sentimental favorite now going forward? You know, they were already a favorite, due to their play and what they got going. But do you think they're going to be that sort of emotional, sentimental favorite for by a lot of fans in the league going forward? I think that the pressure is on them, but I also think that uh, the spirit of excellence that is Kobe Bryant is um, hanging over them. And I think what I like about the Lakers, I, I actually spoke with, um, I spoke to Lakers assistant coach Phil Handy about this the other day. Um, I, I really do think that, that what sets the Lakers apart, and he agreed, was that they've been battle tested. This guy's been injured. This guy's been injured. This guy's been, you know, have some personal problems. LeBron is, you know, chasing history down. You got Anthony Davis, LeBron coming together to do this. You got Frank Vogel, who, you know, has something to prove. You got Jason Kidd, who has something to prove. You got, you know, you, you got DeMarcus Cousins, who's, who's looking at that come back. You, you, you got Contagious Caldwell Pope, who struggled at points during the season. And, Finding a group. Danny Green, who shot him with back to back championships. Jared Dudley, who's the same age as LeBron James, who, you know, 
went one four years in college at Boston College, and, and, and it's the same age as LeBron, but they have two different stories. You know, you have all those different factors that that that, that tie into um, what is what, and and so I, I like that story. But the Los Angeles Clippers um, are, are co-tenants and Staples Center, and, and and they have something to say about that. You know, you got you know Trez Harrell who could arguably be the NBA's most improved player of the year. You've got Lou Williams, who could be sixth man of the year. you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who have started to figure things out with cooking on soldiers. you got, you know, you, you've got Patrick Beverly, who, you know, like Anthony Davis, has, you know, defensive player of the year aspiration. You know, you, L.A. is a great time to be alive right now in, in Los Angeles, but outside of the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers, it's the Denver Nuggets, uh, who, you know, are, are outside looking in, uh, who, who you know, defensively, they, they play well. You know, and, and Nicole Jokic is, is the, the key that starts the engine over there. So, you know, it, 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 I think the Western Conference is, is very exciting. I think, you know, you even look at the other teams, like the New Orleans Pelicans, who have Zion Williamson back and, you know, competitive. You've got the Phoenix Suns, who have had, had flashes of brilliance in the early part of the season. The Western Conference at large is just very impressive to watch. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of good basketball going on. But you know, you 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 ask me to you know, do, do the Lakers have a chance? They definitely do. They've only lost ten games this season at the time of this recording, and you know, they have something to play for now with you know, LeBron James and the Lakers uh, uh, competing for a championship in the memory of of, of, of uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, you didn't mention Utah though. They, Utah's a uh... Number two still, right? Right right now we're in the West, aren't they? Okay, so I, I apologize for that. Yeah. One of the things that fits this thing of what's good is, you know, you added Jordan Clarkson to that team, a piece they needed. Just like I look at Portland, and Portland added, you know, uh, Trevor Ariza to the mix. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think they worked their way up uh, in the second half of the season. So it, it, it's a lot of uh, competitive Western Conference basketball that's going to be played. In the second half of the season, uh, right before the All-Star break and after the All-Star break, I think this is the point where you see the band amongst the boys. You know, Minnesota started out high. And, you know, they, they were in the bottom looking in now. Uh, and so, you know, you got the Utahs, the, the Portlands, and, uh, that, that are going to be competing with, with the two Los Angeles teams as, as well as the, as well as the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you know, uh, in, in talking about L.A., the Battle of L.A., those two teams – you know, they've been fighting over talent in the past year or so, recruiting talent and stuff. Do you think that's going to be a, a, a similar fight leading up to the, the trade deadline over play, maybe players like like a D. Rose or somebody like that who can maybe tip the scales on one side or the other? Well, I mean, Derrick Rose is a person that um, the Lakers are believed to be interested in. I, I, I think that he's a
I had to on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and he told me that, uh, you know, the Lakers would work about it, and he said this week was the week to do it. So, you know, once the Kobe stuff kind of dies down, I, I, I kind of do see um, that happening. And then, you know, you got other guys that are not a free agents, like uh, Joaquin Noah, uh, Jamal Crawford. Uh, I talked to Jamal last week, and you know, he said he expects to, you know, be signed by a team um, after the, the, the trade deadline and all the buyouts happen. So, a lot of moving parts that are going on right now. Um, and then you look at, you know, contracts like um, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I don't see him going to um, – I don't see him going to the, a team like the Lakers right now, but, you know, his contract is attractive to, to other people. You hear Carl Towns' name going around a lot. So there's a lot of pieces there. So um, directly, I don't have anything right now, but, you know, the trade deadline is February 6th. We'll see what happens. Who, who – what would – if there's one player you could pick, I, I, I think I would say that's in the league now because I'm guessing outside of the league it'd probably be uh, Crawford who you'd want to see mostly uh, on a on a contending team going forward. But if they if the out of the players who aren't on contending teams, what what player would you most like to see in the mix get traded in the mix and get in the mix for the playoffs right now? I'd like to see Derrick Rose. Find, find greener pastures somewhere. Um, you know, Philadelphia has expressed uh, interest in him. Uh, I kind of would like that too, Philly. With him, we're gonna talk about the East in a minute, but I, I think I would like to see D Rose in Philly in particular. But go ahead. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, he, him, and Philly—they're missing that spark plug off the bench. I spoke with Tobias Harris the other day, and you know, he told me that you know the, the Sixers are playing good basketball. We just gotta stay consistent and. Uh, you know, if you look at at a Derrick Rose, a guy who's been battle tested in the playoffs, uh, a guy like him would, would, would definitely be a good fit. I'm, I'm always about to Jamal, that's my guy. Um, I'd like to see potentially him and Philly. You know, the, the Lakers or the Clippers aren't a viable option, but uh, Derrick Rose is somebody that's currently in the league that I, I'd like to see, you know, win. And, 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 you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So look, looking at the East, and, you know, the East is. Is the the story's been sort of it's not as been, not as been interesting as the West, of course, but you know you 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 still got a lot of interesting things that could happen. You got uh you know beyond Milwaukee, Milwaukee looks like they're probably gonna be wired to wired number one seed, but you got Toronto who's had another great season following up uh, on the championship. Philly is figuring a lot of stuff out still, and they could make them move that could change things in the East. You know, Boston is Boston has been a pleasant surprise in a lot of ways. You know, the Nets are still, you know, figuring things out and and you know, they figure things out with your boy Kyrie and everything. But what what do you what's your overall take on the East now? And Indiana, Indiana could be a real threat. You know, they they already got they're already a their top four team as far as play right now and they still got all the depot to come back. Uh, in in the next week or so, so it's like that could really change a lot in the East. But in in your mind, you know, what what do you think about the East right now, and and who who could really be that threat for Milwaukee going forward, and as, as the you know as they figure out these seeds and stuff. Um, Toronto or Indiana, uh, Indiana is definitely. 
many people thought that Toronto was a joke once Kawhi left and Pascal Siakam has had other plans. I think, uh, you know, many people have said Philadelphia was the pride of joy. Milwaukee has, has been consistent all season, but, you know, outside of Milwaukee, Philadelphia and, and, and Toronto uh, definitely can uh, make something happen. So, yeah, that's what I'm, that's the, those are the two teams that I like not named Milwaukee. And you think Toronto as because I I wouldn't necessarily expect Toronto to make any moves, but as is you you expect them to possibly go as far as they did last year. Um, to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. So I I, I um I have liked watching Toronto throughout the course of the season, um, and and I think that Toronto can you know be competitive. Okay. Outside of Toronto, I like Philadelphia. Uh, Milwaukee is the team that I do like, uh, but I, I like I enjoy watching uh, Toronto and I enjoy watching uh, Philadelphia. Toronto, to me, uh, other than you know Kawhi Leonard being gone, uh, I, I just like their grit and they have something to prove because people think that they can't uh, take care of business without Kawhi. Yeah, I guess that that that's gonna be meaningful that people still are probably going to overlook them in a lot of ways without Kawhi. And, you know, but, you know, that that's something that gives them a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, most teams like to create chips on their shoulders, but Toronto could probably, they don't really have to do that work. They, they already know that they're going to be overlooked in some way. So, and, you know, the way that, the way that Pascal is playing, you know, he's been amazing and, that's a team that has veterans on it now and up and down the, the lineup now. They have that finals experience. So, yeah, they, I think anybody who gets in that two seed is probably going to – whoever gets that two seed is probably going to be in a good spot. It, it may end up being a lot of chalk in the East. You know, we may see that one-two matchup in the finals. So. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not rooting against Toronto. I just – you know, I just want to. I just kind of want to see, it, especially like I said, Philly gets Rose. That may be a team that perks up for me, and I want to see what Indiana does. I'm, I'm more and more interested in Indiana now that I've seen how well they play without Oladipo. So hopefully, Oladipo mm-hmm. has a good. You know, he he doesn't you know have any issues. But uh, right now, though, just gonna say thank you once again, brother. My man, Scoop B, our guy in NYC, as always, repped uh, We Are Regal Radio and the fam. And, you know, uh, you know definitely, look, like I say, look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks here. And, uh, you know, there's a, just wish you the best, man, and wish you all the peace and prosperity as usual. And, uh, you know, like I say, if just one thing that this, this whole uh, tragedy has taught us all, I think, is just to – value the, the people in your life uh, who you appreciate and who you know appreciate you and you know you definitely a guy for, uh, I would say that's the case with you and I so uh, thank you again bro and uh, you know look forward to seeing you soon my man I'll talk to you soon alright man stay up yes sir
Demond Sproul, also co-founder of WeAreRegalRadio.com. Editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com, Cal Means reached out to me and asked me the question, should Kobe Bryant replace Jerry West as the logo of the NBA? Now, we all know that Kobe Bryant unfortunately passed away along with his daughter Gigi and seven other people in a helicopter accident. Uh, the question has been thrown out there in social media. You can even see the pictures of the mock, the mock logos of Kobe replace, replacing Jerry West as a logo of the NBA. Listen, the only person I can think that can ever replace Jerry West is Michael Jordan. Uh, hopefully we have Michael Jordan around for a, a very long time. Uh, and this is no hate towards, you know, the whole comparisons of Michael Jordan NBA, and, and Kobe Bryant. It's not that at all. But you know what? Kobe Bryant mentality, Mamba mentality is going to live on for, forever. His legacy is going to live on forever. So he doesn't have to be the logo. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no. All right, y'all back at it. Our salute to Kobe. We are RegalRadio.com, War Media. And that was a quick opinion piece you heard from uh, Demond Sproul, co-founder of We Are Regal Radio and uh, co-host of the Dean Davis Show, of course. I uh, hope you've been listening to them. Uh, recently, they just did some uh, more spots on uh, the score radio, 670 here in Chicago. And they actually did them before midnight, which uh, was great. But... They, uh, you can go on the score now on uh, the website and listen to them. They were uh, on last Tuesday and Thursday filling in for Julie DeCaro. Uh, so if you look up her podcast, you can look them up uh, from those nights and listen to them. But uh, but D gave that uh, he gave that quick hit uh, in the week after the tragedy and. Um, no, a little while ago. I don't know. His his opinion may have changed in the in the interim. I don't know, but uh even even if it hasn't, it's a fair, you know, fair opinion, I think. You no. Know. But I think I would go on the other side of as far as making Kobe the uh logo of the league. Uh you know, at, at be it now or at some point, it may not happen. It's not likely to happen. We probably would have heard some things about that, some rumblings at least. And, you know, the league has done plenty of saluting of the man already, of course, leading up to, you know, with the all-star break and everything, a lot of changes for that uh, have been in Kobe's name, including uh, naming the MVP. Uh, of the All Star Game after him now, which is which is a real good uh, choice there because Kobe, I think, was he set a bunch of All Star records. I think including points, total points, and everything and appearances. But um, I, I wouldn't mind the logo being changed myself because, for one, there is a t- there's a direct tie from him to the current logo, Jerry West. And I think if you argue about you know well. It could be Jordan or you know LeBron. Even you know you want to talk about it being the the greatest guy, the goat guy, or whatever. You know that's not what it's been with West. You know West is uh, a definitely an all time great player, but I think he, much like Kobe, he's you know you know don't get me wrong. Of course, many will argue Kobe is the goat, but I wouldn't say myself that Kobe is the goat. And I think most, uh, you know, objective observers of the game over time would say that he's one of the all-time greats 
but not the greatest. So I don't think it has to be the the greatest of all time being the logo or the but it is a it can be a guy who you who has a unique relationship with the game and uh, is a guy that everyone associates with the game. And West had that appeal at his time. I think he was called like Mr. Basketball or something like that for a time. I don't know. But uh, at the in the wake of his passing, Kobe, I think in particular, has a, a, rela- a deep relationship with everyone, especially of this, this latter day era, these recent generations, you know, people my age and just above, you know, just below and even younger now that uh, people are going to firmly associate Kobe with the game of basketball, with the NBA game. And, you know, I think to see him as the logo and to see his silhouette would be a, another great way to uh, keep him alive and keep him in our thoughts whenever we think of whenever we see the NBA, whenever we look at NBA something that has the NBA brand on it, you know, you can think of Kobe in that way. So I think it would be apt to put him on the logo. Not nothing you have to do, but you know, wouldn't mind it. But anyway, uh no thanks for listening uh to our you know stand with us here with our tribute. And uh the next segment here, me and Joshua Hicks. Joshua M. Hicks, Joshua A. Hicks, I call him sometimes. But uh, uh, nice talk with him uh, about Kobe and everything. And, you know, he's coming from the mid-20s. You know, he's in he's in, he's in his mid-20s. He's, he's coming from that era, that, that group of people who really, really grew up with Kobe. And they saw him much in the way that we saw Jordan. You know, they really entered the game with Kobe, and um, you know he, uh, Josh definitely speaks eloquently on what Kobe meant to him as a ball player specifically, and uh, ways that he felt like Kobe at times on the court, and ways that he didn't feel like him. But uh, the influence was definitely there and made him uh, uh, Kobe made him love the game as much as anyone and uh you know josh goes into that with me here we continue on remembering kobe we are radio.com war media war on anchor all right kyle means here we are radio.com war media war on anchor saluting kobe bryant as uh you know still in the wake of that Horrific accident, uh, cra- helicopter crash in California that claimed uh, the great Kobe Bryant's life as well as his uh, daughter Gianna, such a promising young athlete in her own right, and uh, you know uh, seven others, uh, you know seemingly uh, wonderful people who are just on their way to uh, you know support uh, what Kobe and his Mamba. Uh, Academy was doing uh, just advancing, you know, the sport of basketball in their own way, helping the girls, uh, you know, and everything. And just, you know, so much layers to the tragedy, you know, but um, 
you know, we we going to move, you know, we're trying to move on and, you know, definitely around here want to do our best to salute Kobe and uh, his life in particular because he's meant a lot to all of us, just being basketball fans and observers of the game. He's, you know, played 20 years in the NBA. It's amazing just to think about, you know, where we all were when he first came into the picture and, uh, you know, how far we've all come since then. And, uh, you know, one guy who definitely go Kobe meant a lot to was our guy, Joshua Hicks, Joshua M. Hicks. And, uh, you know, he put out a piece today on the site called Thank You, Kobe Bryant, and uh, advise you to read that if you haven't got the chance already. But uh, Josh is online with me. Uh, thanks, man, for making some time. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, you did a great piece. Appreciate you writing uh, what you wrote and letting us into your thoughts and what Kobe meant to you. But, um, you know, first off, man, just, you know, like I said, for those who haven't read your piece, man, could you just sort of boil down what, uh, you know, Kobe did mean to you and, you know, how significant it is to lose him at this point in time? Yeah, it's always good uh, to talk basketball with your colleagues and with the war, war media and war and anchor, man. We're doing some great stuff, and it's always, always nice to rap with you. But to to talk about Kobe Bryant, what he meant to me, Kobe Bryant was the transition, was the transcending generational talent that marked my generation. Um, he was the MJ of our generation. Um, I'm a '90s baby. Uh, born in 1994, so I was only two years old, really, when Kobe Bryant first really had to the league. Um, so I was coming off the tail end here of MJ and entering the prime years of Kobe. So I grew, so Kobe was that guy that, as a young basketball mom and as a young basketball fan growing up, he was one of the top guys that I idolized and wanted to watch and play and watch watch every day. And even play like at some point in time in my life. Um, watching Kobe on TV in the young number eight jersey with young Afro. And watching him play all throughout to the to the, the Kobe of the 24. And winning titles with Shaq. And winning his own titles on his own. Two titles on his own. And um, that driving determination of what of creating that, that mafia mentality that quite frankly, is inside of all of us. And he just exercised it to a, a level where it, it became so inspirational that we have that it inspired us, especially players and athletes of my generation, to want to strive for what we want to do on and off the court. He was very instrumental in our lives for that. And I think for me, what the most fascinating thing about Kobe was watching the tail end of his life, how he transitioned from what I grew up on as being one of the top tier, arguably the greatest athlete, the greatest player of all time to some. And to see him go from that great athlete to retiring, going out with the bank with the 60 points, uh, the, his final game, and then transitioning from that to essentially enjoying retirement, to doing things that he loved to do, being an author, uh, excelling. 
at that rate of what he wanted to do. You know, winning an winning the Oscar for his documentary. He's telling stories, uh, production cartoon stories. He's um, writing books, and he's also training. He's mentoring. He's helping transform the next generation of talent through the Mamba Academy, and for him to do all those great things of giving back to the community, while at the same time, spending time as a father, really being that family man that, as a black man in America, you would want to idolize and see. I mean, we have, we have to admit, no one's perfect in life, and Kobe certainly was perfect. He had his ups and downs throughout his career, throughout his career, throughout life, but he utilized that re- to utilize those those negatives and turn them into positives to, to reinvent himself as a as a person, as a basketball player, and it ultimately changed people's lives to the point where this tragic accident, this tragic incident that took his life and unfortunately his daughter's Gigi's life and seven other people, it, it tore us apart, and it hurt my generation, my generation, and hurt me specifically because. He was, as crazy as it sounds, he wasn't too much older than us. I mean, yeah. I'm 25, but to you, Kyle, to others that have that kind of grew up in that MJ era too, he, he's only 41. Yeah. And he was a young guy to where we could still somewhat relate <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. So to be able to not see him grow up into the older, uh, to that older age, where we can potentially see Gigi grow up and to be the next uh, Big Bryant star out of that, and to that level carry on Kobe Bryant's legacy on the basketball court. Um, he won't be able to see his kids grow up. He won't be able to see or spend his the rest of his marriage in the older in his older years of retirement with Vanessa. Um, he won't. He won't. He was supposed to be an All Star weekend. He's supposed to be here two weeks in two to three weeks. Yeah, he won't be able to see him. Um, we won't be able to listen to his Hall of Fame speech that he was supposed to be inducted this year in. and arguably the greatest client and he obviously will be in there um, no matter what but for him not to be present with the most arguably the greatest Hall of Fame class in a very long time um, it's it's heartbreaking and it's devastating and for us and my generation to see such an icon that would be you know, that we really grew up watching and saying, outside I want to be like MJ, I'm, I was one of those people who were in the classroom. I used to get in trouble all the time for this. I would ball up a paper ball and do the fadeaway and, and you can do the fadeaway trying to shoot the uh, paper ball in the trash can. And I would yell out Kobe all, <laughs> all the time. Right. That was my thing that literally got me in trouble in school. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, being like Kobe, like that was the thing. We may not say we wanted to be like Kobe all the time because of the, especially me, because of the inspiration of MJ and what he brought to the table. But at the same time, Kobe was the remix of MJ. He was the closest thing you could ever get to a Michael Jordan in any way, shape, or form on and off the court at this moment, at, at, that, at that moment in time. So for him to be gone in the way that he, left this earth it is sad but he taught us so many lessons he taught us so many he taught me so many lessons in life how to be a trailblazer how to persevere how to be able to persevere within your journey to greatness and be unique within your within your journey 
be yourself, be creative. Um, he taught, he obviously taught us all the Mamba mentality. He taught us how to bet on ourselves. That time when he could have left LA to come to Chicago, and Bulls fans will always think of the, will always have that what if factor because he was that close to coming to Chicago more than once. And both times he could have left, he ultimately decided to stay back and said, you know what, no, I'm going to stay in LA. And persevered to where he became the 20 year man in LA that made that arguably, arguably made him Mr. Laker, the greatest Laker of all time. Right. Um, he was an activist. Uh, he stood up for social justice, especially when it comes to women in sports and women in the workplace and um, African-American males. Colin Kaepernick, he supported, he supported of Colin Kaepernick. He supported his protest. He helped, the, uh, he's one of the first players in the NBA when Aaron Gardner uh, died and during the I Can't Breathe movement. He helped support that by being one of the first people to wear that I Can't Breathe shirt on the court. Uh, he he was he was so he's very iconic in that in that realm, especially as he was getting ready to retire when he had the platform to speak more on those political issues because the basketball wasn't his go-to anymore. He wasn't full focused on the game itself. So he taught us that lesson. He taught to appreciate our loved ones, to appreciate this while we're still living, while I still have a chance because he he left too soon and. You never get those those opportunities back. So he taught us to love one another and to to get to spread our flowers to each other while we're still living. Um, and he, he taught us most importantly, especially the black man. He taught us how to be a family man, how to sort of be your own Jay Z, build your own empire, make your own money, how to invest in the right things that you can benefit from. But at the same time, not solely focus on that so much that you just you completely dismiss your family. You how to be he was an example of what it means to be an overachiever on and off the court, but yet at the same time create time for your family. To be that family man, to be and, and tell that responsibility of raising his kids and putting his kids out in the forefront where to be and he became so supportive of that to make sure these kids follow their journeys, what they wanted to do. And he supported every endeavor that, they, that he could with that, especially in his retirement uh, days. So he taught us so many lessons. And his, his life was so impactful on and off the court in various ways that many people didn't even imagine until he was gone. And there will never be another Kobe Bryant. There should never be another Kobe Bryant. But he has to appreciate all the things that he's done. And I appreciate all the things that he's done. And just like my piece... I thank you, Kobe, for helping me teach the lessons that, quite frankly, not many of us black men get the opportunity to do. And you stood up as a role model for us, and we appreciate that. Yeah, he definitely he definitely was a source of inspiration and creativity, and uh, you know he, he provided he was a, he was a spirit. I think that comes along rarely, even at that height even at that level of uh, of entertainment where we see so many special people and everything. But he had an energy that I think was essential to, made himself essential to what has gone on in the past 20 years and certain advancements and evolutions that's come about in, in uh, you know, in, in 
the not only the NBA but in entertainment as a whole. He, he's someone to me like like Michael Jackson, like Prince, who or Pac and, and Biggie, who he provided a, an aura and and the sort of energy that I think we we definitely lose a lot in his in losing him his his body here in, on Earth. But like you said, the lessons are there. So many lessons, you know, things that we could take away from his life that are that are meaningful. And I, you know, in the the way that he loses his life, I think being that is so so quick and so uh, you know, in in many ways, just unex, unexpected and really, it's you know, uh, senseless in a way. Not senseless like in a violent way, but just like, you know, why did it have to happen that way? Why did it have to happen with his daughter like that and everything? When on his way to doing something that was so natural to him and so, uh, you know, that brought him su- uh, such joy seeing his daughter play ball, you know, to lose their life do it in the middle of trying to do that, you know, just, you know, taking advantage of the what he built for himself in his life that that's to be able it's a it's crazy to be able to imagine creating a life for yourself where you can avoid the LA traffic and have that be an option, you know, just to be able to do better by your daughter. And you know, that ends up taking you down. You know, it's 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 crazy just to think about that. But but he was like you say he was a devoted father. He was devoted to the game of basketball. And he, despite the mistakes that he made in the past, you know, some very visible ones, he he worked and kept a certain amount of love and peace in his life. And he's he he leaves this earth with knowing that he he had done right by his wife and by his kids. And, you know, he like, he, like you say, he set an example as a black man and as a husband and a father that everybody can relate to and, and aspire to and that's uh, very significant i think in in as far as the legacy of kobe bryant even even though there was so much more that he it, he was likely to have be able to do and i and that's one of the things for me that i thought about in these last couple of days like i wanted to see him i expected to see him be an elder of the game like bill russell like like Kareem, you know, like uh, you know, the big O and and Jerry West, you know, who who was very much Kobe's mentor. You know, I expected to see him live to be 70, 80 uh year old year old or so and be able to tell some of the young whippersnappers in the future about themselves whenever they they lose sight of what's important in the game or in life. But he's not gonna be able to do that. And I think that's a loss for our future generations. But but again, he said a lot while he was here on Earth, and it's interesting how real the Mamba mentality became. Because it's like at one point you could, you know, you could sort of play it off all. It's just something that him and Nike is doing to sell sneakers and stuff. But I think in the in the wake now of his passing, it really is something that's become real, and it's something that you can apply not only to sports but to life in general. Whatever type of ambitions that you have in life, you can apply that Mamba mentality to to uh how you want to work to get it. And uh that's gonna be a 
that's going to be something that I, I know you guys in your generation is going to live with. And, uh, you know, I, not me too. And, 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 and my generation as well. Like, like you said, I'm, I'm an eighties baby. I'm Jordan was my, was my childhood hero. No, nothing will top Jordan for me, but Kobe was the first superstar I saw from wire to wire. Cause I didn't get to see, you know, I was born in the year that Mike was drafted and I wasn't really a conscious basketball fan until that first championship year in 91. But, you know, I was able to see Kobe from the, the night he was drafted and the, the trade and everything on those early years where he was proving himself to that first championship, the, the, the repeat and the three-peat with Shaq, the, the fall-off years after that when Shaq left and him raising himself back up into the most dangerous individual player in the league scoring 81 and scoring 60 and three quarters and scoring 35 a game. He did that one year and, uh, you know, becoming another champion again in the, in the later repeat and seeing them all down to, you know, becoming an old player and injuring himself and, you know, eventually fading out the game, but he still made himself a, a viable vibrant source of of like say knowledge and creativity through other lanes you know be it teaching the game and teaching or teaching others about other things in life and or in you know creativity like he did with the deer basketball short and winning the oscar for that so he he was just an amazing guy man and it you know we you you know the the song says you don't know what you got till it's gone and on some level, you know, I think I agree with that with Kobe. But I think we did know when he was here that he was one of the best. And this is only uh, deepens those feelings and, and losing him. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess before we move on to anything else, man, you know what? I'll just just a couple of quick questions with with you and Kobe. Like, what what do you what do you what is your favorite Kobe moment? That one thing that sticks out to you in regards to you know your you know the when you when you really associate when you when the first thing you think of Kobe, what what's that one moment that sticks out with you with him? I would have to say the playoff game when Kobe Bryant. And the Lakers came back against the Phoenix Suns, and he took that game in overtime. And Kobe hit that dagger in the last second of overtime to win it. Um, I was, I know, it. with Kobe, you knew where you were at, and some, I, and with when it came to these iconic moments, you knew exactly where you were. I was actually at my grandparents' house um, after church because it was on a Sunday, and we were having family dinner. And watching the game together with my grandparents and my parents in the in the living room, man. Uh, my grandpa was a huge Lakers. He was a, always been a huge Lakers fan, but he was definitely a huge Kobe fan. And when Kobe was playing in the playoffs, and uh, he and you know this is one of his first times he made it to the playoffs without Shaq, and they was playing against the Suns, and he um, the Lakers were down, but Kobe just started started the movement as only Kobe would. Brought the Lakers back, and they end up playing in overtime. And 
then that iconic play just happened. You get the ball, you get the ball off the tip, off a jump ball. He grabs the ball, from out of bounds. He brings the ball up full court, then gets to a sweet spot on that elbow, pulls up, bang, and I was the game. And me watching that with my grandparents, I I was in amazement and all of of how he elevated his game so much that he just took the soul out of a team, out of a series with just one dagger. <laughs> and in watching that was during, and that was obviously during my time where I was really invested in basketball. I was playing at uh, school ball and turned out my basketball at the same time. So I was playing games constantly. And watching that, I and because of that moment, I remember the next practice that I had, especially for travel basketball, which was that next day. I went in the gym. I was talking about it with my friends and my teammates about that iconic moment, and I tried to emulate that moment, that shot, in practice. <laughs> and and obviously for me, it didn't work out too well, but the fact that I tried to emulate that was an iconic moment for me because that was something I knew at that moment was historical. And for me to witness it and try to emulate something like that, you can tell the impact that Kobe had on my life, especially at that moment in time when he was wearing the number eight jersey. And at the time, I had the number eight jersey because that was back when jerseys were super and super in style. Everyone had the baggy jersey with the baggy jeans and the tips. Like that was the style of what you wore to school or what you wore to basketball games and, and such. So mm-hmm. at the time, especially in practice, but I was still practicing in my jerseys. I had at the time I had my number eight Kobe Bryant Lakers jersey and the and the yellow uh, uniform, and I made sure that I wore that to practice so that way I can literally play like Kobe because Kobe was the last thing that made me in awe before I came to that gym that day. So okay. that's probably one of my top moments with Kobe that I remember that really sticks out to me. Okay, well that makes me think because uh, you know I was going to say this too because uh, in your piece. You mentioned, you know, uh, the Wayne song that he did on Kobe and, you know, how you would play that before games and stuff. What's what's the most that you felt like Kobe in in the game? That, you know, you, you can't you say you came up short in that one practice, but what's what's one time on the court where you felt most like Kobe? I would have to say there was two, there was two moments. Uh, one, and there was both when I was freshman in high school. Um, one of the games, um, I just caught the ball and I was just on fire. I was known, I was, at the time, I was known to be a shooter, but this, those two games specifically, I was in a whole nother zone with shooting the ball. And both games I scored, no, one game I scored 23, and the next game after that, I scored 20. But out of those two games, probably the most biggest one where I really felt like Kobe was the game where I scored 20. And that was because we, at the time, uh, my school hosted a tournament during the day. It was, uh, it was a weekend type of tournament, but we had a game during school on that Friday. So it was a, so basically our whole entire middle school and high school took half of took half, had, uh, had classes, half day classes, so that way the final half, it was spent on watching an eighth grade basketball team play against another school during that school day. So all the parents was there. Gym was packed. Um, we had a whole 
cheering section between the school between the school. So it was a really live and hot game for me. And being a starter at the time, it um it meant a lot to the fact to where um I had to I had to make sure that I, my game was right. So I was at the gym that morning, and honestly, I skipped half of my classes that morning <laughs> to go to the gym and shoot <laughs> the ball to make sure my shot was right. And and just then that sitting back thinking on it, it's crazy because at that time my jersey number was twenty four. Um, I didn't get a chance to wear my original number, which was three. That's one. That's my favorite number to hoop in. But at that time for that year, since number three was taken, twenty four was my backup option. So I wore twenty four that season when I had when when I had that game, and to hear the emotions of the crowd, which was the biggest game of the year, and to have that happen during school day, and I dropped twenty points in the game, and my jump shot was on point. I felt like I was Kobe <laughs> in that game. So that's good. To, re- to relive that moment, man, that's probably like my biggest game where I felt like I was Kobe because of the applause, the aura of the situation that I was in, and to be able to perform at that level. That meant a lot to me, and that's probably my most Kobe esque type of environment feel that I could ever have. How, how many fadeaways did you do with that game? I did. I did two fadeaways. <laughs> two fadeaways. Okay, they, they, you, you they didn't. Point. Okay. Point. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't OD on the fadeaways. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, but my only moments that I have the the great moments that I have mostly occurred on a uh, hard court. So, uh, you know, just. Uh, you know, scrambles and stuff like that on outside. You know, the only time I played in front of a crowd like that was a was like a a, a intramural freshman game, and you no, know, I didn't do good in that game at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it's great to have a moment like that. Every every everybody who loves basketball has a mo- has one moment like that, no matter how good or bad you were. So that's it's great that you had that moment, but yeah, I was I was here here with my man Josh Hicks, the senior writer, WeAreRegalRadio.com, writes the Endoscope column and everything, and writes uh, a lot about basketball and how much he loves the game, and he wrote about what Kobe meant to him. Uh, that's currently on the site now, and um, yeah, just uh. It, you mentioned like the All Star Weekend and how that sort of changed. That's that's something I've definitely thought a lot about too. Like it's going to be a little bit more somber here, uh, you know. It, it, there's I'm sure going to be a lot of celebrating, but you know, in, in remembering and Kobe and everything, that's going to be uh, a little, you know, bit of a bit of sweetness to that too. But you know, this. Is is I can say just part of that's just part of what it's going to be. I think he deserves all those flowers, and you know, I'm I think I think he knew who he was when he was here, and I think that's you know I sort of said that amongst the guys, uh, D and Davis guys on the in the text uh, yesterday. Like you know, the most that we could probably expect out of life is that we knowing that we were loved and appreciated while we were here, you know, if you can get that much, that's a, that's a blessing, you know, and I think Kobe knew that. I think Kobe got a lot of that while he was here. So 
I feel good for him as far as that go. But it, it does it does suck that we won't be able to see him uh, have that Hall of Fame speech. It probably would have been an epic speech that he would have gave, and you know, you know, just seeing that among other things. I, I'm 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 um, I wish you know that that's another guy I wish I would have been able to interview at some point, and but you no, know, never got to to do that be in the same room with him. I'm sure you probably feel that way too, Josh. And, you know, just to be able to uh, pick at his brain directly and get some of that knowledge from him would have been great. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's, there's all types of video and audio out there of him speaking of that, about the Mamba mentality and other things. And, you know, people, there's a lot to learn from. So, uh, you know, we, we take that and we, and we keep, keep that inspiration uh as part of what we do and, and keep it moving. So uh that's that's it. You know, we'll, we'll leave it at that with Kobe. But uh before I let you go, man, tonight was supposed to be the first game that the Lakers were gonna have uh after uh you know Kobe after the uh the crash and everything that that was expected to be that way, but they wound up canceling or postponing, I should say, the game between the Lakers and the uh, the Clippers, the Battle of L.A., which, uh, you know, that's going to be a big game whenever they reschedule it. But, uh, you know, they're not doing it tonight. The Lakers still need time to recover. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's the right move, man? I think it's the right move, but at the same time, that's not what Kobe would have wanted. I think Kobe would have would have been like, you know, he's a he's always been a very competitive guy. So he probably would have, from what we know of him, he probably would have, you know, said, okay, cool, I'm gone. Got your day to mourn. Let's go back out there and ball. Like I want you guys to compete, and um, which is something that a lot of players that knew Kobe uh, alluded to. But in this specific situation. Um, I do believe it was the right move by the league to do so because of the fact that um, he touched so many lives in L.A. And with so many L.A. connections, as big as of the city L.A. LA is, with the Hollywood effect, the celebrities going to be there, it would have been a very dramatic uh, situation to where um, it would have been tough to swallow and to tolerate and deal with, especially from a player's perspective, uh, playing. I mean, the situation was so serious that um, it was reported that the Lakers had counseling. They had uh, mental health uh, specialists and counseling people come come to help deal with this grief that's going on within the Lakers organization. And that's a pretty serious thing to have when you have, when with something like this so tragic occurring. And it's hard to focus on something else um, when it comes to those type of situations, even though it is Kobe and this is what Kobe would, and Kobe probably would have wanted things to be a little different. Um, the overall wealth of the play, uh, health of the player, especially mentally, is a big part of the game. And if you can't focus on the game, you're not going to, your performance won't be at the level that it needs to be. So this was a good decision, especially since it's not going to be hard to reschedule considering the fact that it is L.A. You got both your teams in L.A. They both play the same location. It's not It's not going to be a hard thing to reschedule. It's not like they have to find other pieces for other team, for, you know, other team, if another team to play. 
Augusta, it's the same 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 location, same stadium. Um, it, 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 would, it wouldn't be that hard to reschedule the game. So the fa- I think considering that, um, along with the other circumstances, behind the seriousness of the mental health that was being taken, that uh, specialist and the rehab that needed to take place, um, it was a good decision by the league to do so. I honestly thought they should have canceled the games when he when we, when the news first broke out that Sunday. There were some games that was being played, and I thought that they should have canceled the games that day because of the the, the automatic uh, response by the world at the time behind the seriousness of that of that of the situation. But um, at least for LA, this does give them time to somewhat grieve. And to really grieve in a way where whenever the funeral is and everything like that, hopefully it'll be enough time to where they can fully, as a city, come together. So that way, the next time when they do play each other in L.A., it's not it's not necessarily a, um, a goodbye type of situation. It's a see you later type of feel. Yeah. And, that, and that makes a huge difference, especially for two franchises that are especially with the legendary franchise of the Lakers, but the upper, the, the up-and-coming, rising franchise of the Clippers. Uh, it means a lot um, to have that type of mental state when you can play against a battle of L.A. like that. Yeah, that's well said. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, you know, the mental stability and, you know, the mental health aspect of it. I, I know that's something that you've uh, written and reported about for us uh you know, in the in the recent past, and it's something that's definitely more of a, it's it's definitely something that more people think about and focus on when it comes to decisions like this with with uh, professional sports, as it should be. You know, I and I think a, a lot of people definitely agree with you about the games that were played on uh, on Sunday and everything. I think it's unfortunate that uh, that that had, that choice was up in the air like it was in the in the end. You know. Uh, I think it it did allow teams to uh, impromptu in, in an impromptu way salute Kobe and do those things like they did with the the, the running of the twenty four second clock and the or the eight second uh, back backcourt. You know, it, it it allowed it allowed the teams to uh, salute him in a way that was uh, nat- sort of impromptu and natural and spur of the moment and and really was inventive in in a way that. That is, uh, I think, is going to be very memorable when people look back at clips on and uh, look back at f- at footage from the last couple of days in, uh, in in history books. Like, you know, it's going to be us, you know, part of that. That's going to be part of the story that was told. And uh, Kobe, I think, definitely deserved that. And like you said, I think Kobe probably will be like, you know, let's let's find solace in the game. Let's let's bring uh, you know that emotion to the court and and let it work for us that way. So it probably does fit in that that uh the games were played. And, you know, logistically it would have been harder for a lot of those other games that were played in the last uh, couple of days to be made up. You know, the L.A. games definitely are easier to make up. So, uh, you know, let that city do go through its healing process right now. And, you know, we can we, we can have those games. Uh, in the in the you know in the, in the days to come and you know someday to come, I know one person had mentioned like uh, they they were corrected eventually because because the, the, that wasn't been the case, 
But they were like, well, you know, you could cancel all the games on Sunday and it will been just 81 games on the schedule. And, of course, people know that 81 is a, is a significant number for Kobe. But uh, but that wasn't the case because the whole league wasn't playing on Sunday. So you couldn't just cancel those games. And then, been, then you would have to cancel. You had to make sure you cancel one game for every team. And that would have been, again, more of a logistical nightmare that way. But, but uh, I say looking forward at, at this season, I you know, what do you think about the Lakers now as a possible – sentimental favorite going forward they already were a favorite on paper to win it all because of the talent they have and it's the start they've gotten off to they played they've been playing some great ball for the most part this season but i think the lakers now gonna be pretty a, a pretty big sentimental favorite and in a rare position where maybe most of the country may actually be rooting for the lakers to win this year and, and rooting for lebron even to win instead of uh, sort of hating on him or hating on the Lakers, which uh, most of the country has done in, in recent years or in, or in history, you know, with the Lakers, you know. But what, what do you think about that idea? I think this gave LeBron James even that much more motivation that he needed to bring title to L.A. Um, the reason why uh, people may or may not have cared if he brought a championship to L.A., was because he was still in Kobe's shadow. Um, LA is going to be Kobe City. Lakers going to be Kobe's franchise, and everything is going to be Kobe. Now Kobe is LA, so for LeBron to step into LA while Kobe was alive, even though Kobe said we need to embrace him, the back of the minds are like, "But you brought you was the homegrown favorite of the Lakers to bring us these titles." The Kobe you stands. Are, you are the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, you, you're the guy to be looked up to that represent this franchise in a way that Kobe, that unfortunately LeBron will never be able to do. So because of that, there's going to be a lot of, it's not necessarily hatred, but it's going to be a lot of um, um, unwillingness to accept the newer age of the Lakers unless championships were involved. And the fact now that Kobe's gone, I think it relieves some of that pressure that LeBron may have been feeling with that. And now, it, it, if anything, it gives him the extra motivation to now, okay, now I got to win one for real because Kobe's gone. Kobe would have wanted me to do my best to bring championships, and he would have wanted me to be a Laker to do that. But now that he's gone, and I won't be able to share that experience with him, and, and Laker Nation and L.A. in general won't be able to share that with him, I, it's my, it's, you know, in his Instagram that he just posted, uh, is either today or uh, yesterday how it's now his duty to carry on that legacy of winning and to do it in L.A. with the Lakers franchise that Kobe represented for his entire career. There's no other way to do it, to, to, to celebrate that with the championship. And the only person that can do that is LeBron. So this is, this is the perfect platform for to not just add on to Kobe's legacy and what it meant for the Lakers, but even to add on to LeBron's legacy. To revamp it in a way where LeBron can say not only not only be if he would have won a championship this year with the Lakers, not only be the first player to most likely be the MVP of three teams with three different championships, but also in a way now you've, you you have you've solidified himself to now being the next top tier Laker within that Lakers franchise's history. 
because he revamped the Lakers franchise, the championship, but he did it in a way that resembled Kobe, especially in the year that he died. This season will now be dedicated to Kobe. And because of that, that motivation, especially with the team they have now, this is a must-win opportunity for the Lakers to win this championship. They have the talent. They have the go-to or they have the personnel. They have, they have the exceptional coaching staff to dip to do this. And they've been playing all season long. Like, they are the best team in the league. They have the best t- record in the league. So, because of that, if they can stay healthy, maybe add an extra piece or two, the Lakers have, they've already had a chance to win, but now this is the, this may give them the extra motivation that they needed to fully go after it and actually win this title in the way that they need it. They know that they can win it because of the fact that the, the best Laker in history has gone, is, is gone, has ventured off this earth in a way that's unfortunate and unfathomable for this team. And, uh, and, especially with LeBron because of the relationship that they have. Kobe had a lot of relationships, a lot of good relationships with some of those players, especially um, the Lakers, Lakers players because he trained them during the offseason. Some of them had personal relationships with him like LeBron and AD did. So this means a lot to them. And this extra motivation is probably what's going to need, it's going to help LeBron boost up to where he's got to go back to old LeBron now, mentally. When it comes to not just setting his team up, teammates up to win, but being that go-to guy uh, in the stress room that we know LeBron can be, and to bring on to bring a team home and to carry the team on his shoulders, he wasn't necessarily trying to do that because AD's in town. But now this is the extra motivation where he said, "Okay, AD, I'm gonna let you do you." But at the end of the day, when the time, when it's time, LeBron's coming. To, LeBron's coming to try to bring this thing home. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. It, it seems like this may be another type of storybook situation that LeBron sort of stumbles into, like like with Cleveland in that first in that first and wound up only championship that they won uh in sixteen, you know, this this seems to be another chance for him to not only not only so solidify and further his his own legacy, but also be there at a moment for a community that really needs them. So it, it, it will be, it'll be a hell of a story if he does lead them to the championship this year, because it, it'll be nothing but emotion wrapped up around it, given what's happened now with Kobe. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing story, but, uh, ending to write, especially, with LeBron's career. Um, he, we all know he came to LA because he wanted to prepare himself for not just winning a championship before one of the most iconic franchises in the world, but at the same time, preparing for his life after basketball, just like Kobe did. He's preparing to be the big mogul, um, of his, of his, of his generation. And to do that by being the businessman, uh, own being a owner of, of various things. And, at the same time, creating platforms for others in a very similar way that Kobe did. It seems like it, that that path to greatness that LeBron has taken is somewhat similar to what Kobe did post-basketball. The only difference is LeBron's actually exercising it during his basketball career, while Kobe didn't really exercise any of the, any of those things until after he left the scene, for, off the, left the basketball court. Yeah. But the, the paths are somewhat similar. And with those paths being similar, 
what a heck of a way for LeBron to add to that book, to that storybook ending and to say, I got this title, but not because I wanted to just win another title, but because Kobe inspired me to do it because of, because of his death. And what other way to write a storybook ending to LeBron's career if he never wins another championship, but to win one in L.A.? One of the biggest franchises you can you can never win. He helped revive a Miami franchise that did win one title, but he helped revive them with D Wade to win two more. He he completely brought Cleveland back on the map and made them finally a championship winner for the hometown, which is already an amazing story as it is. And if you can't write anything else, that's going to be the main legacy of LeBron James. But now you can add another one by saying you helped revive the community that lost not one, but two iconic L.A. figures and Nipsey Hussle at the time, which were very uh, iconic and heartbreaking, and now Kobe. And you helped revive that franchise that never made the playoffs before you got there and within that post-Kobe era. And now um, you can potentially bring a title, the first one that, that the Lakers have had since Kobe. Yeah, that's that's something really big for LeBron James to to embrace and accomplish. But if anyone can do it, it can be LeBron James. He's the only guy that can do that. So and for him to be in that position, this is really a prime position for for LeBron and the Lakers to take advantage of, especially since they have all the pieces. So if this were to happen, man, it's gonna it's gonna be a heck of a story to witness. Yeah, it it certainly would, and uh, you know. I ain't, I'm like I said, I'm not outright rooting for anybody at this point, but I I definitely feel more of a reason to root for the Lakers at this point because of uh you know just you know thinking of it in a, in a journalistic sense how how great of a story that is, but also knowing on a human level that yeah L A could you know, really could use that that win right now and you know it be it will be a nice thing. That's it. This is the uh, the Kobe tribute special. We are radio.com or media. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, feel free to recommend uh, what we do if you like like this or anything else that you listen to from us on any of our podcast platforms, including. Uh, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and Google Google Podcasts, and all that. If you uh, can rate us on Apple, please give us five stars. We appreciate that. But um, yeah, just uh, you know, not gonna say much here. You know, we've already said so much. Said we uh, we appreciate. And so thankful for the everything that Kobe did in his life as basketball fans, as men, black men, people who just came up, you know, 
uh, in, during his time to have lived during this time. It was an amazing time. We did a lot to make it so, and uh, that's like I said, that's just, that's why we miss miss him, and uh, you know we mourn the loss and mourn what could have been to what could have you know came about in the future for him and his daughter. You know, I think so much evidence that would have been greatness ahead for him, more greatness for him, and you know so much greatness established to establish for Gianna, but you know, we just got to keep it moving, but uh, we'll go out, you know, just as we came in with more of uh, Beyonce's wonderful renditions of uh, EXO and Halo uh, that she sung at the Memorial at Staples Center. So, uh, you know, listen to that as we go out and again, uh, you know, check up with us. We are RegalRadio.com. We are Regal Radio on uh, Twitter and IG and uh, Facebook. You can look us up under Regal Radio. And uh, just keep up with us and everything. And, uh, you know, show us love and we'll show it right back. And always show love to those in your life who you appreciate. And because uh, you never know. You just never know. Jumna